Hey, Merry Christmas, New Life family. Thanks for joining us for this online worship weekend. And uh, hope you had a great Christmas. I know our family had a wonderful time, a little too much good food. I think I'm on a sugar high still. But uh, hey, it's a great time to celebrate the birth of Christ and what his birth meant to a world that desperately needed the love and forgiveness of Jesus. So hey, I want to celebrate with you again. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We're going to jump into a passage of scripture in just a minute. So if you've got your copy of God's word, I want to encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke is in the New Testament. It is the third book in the New Testament. So the scripture is divided into Old Testament, which is the time from creation to before Christ, and the New Testament, which is the birth of Christ through the beginning of the early church. So about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through your scripture, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look there today. While you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had one of those experiences that just changed your life? So something happened, you were involved with something, and you came out of it different on the other end. Well, I had one of those just recently. I got to go on a hunting trip with a group of buddies. Now, uh, for those of you that are not hunters, I do want to say there are no animals injured in the telling of this story, so, so you can relax, okay? But uh, I got to go on a hunting trip with some buddies to Montana, and we went to a place called The Breaks in the Missouri River area in Montana. Gorgeous, gorgeous country. The kind of thing, if you're a John Wayne, old western person, that's kind of where a lot of that stuff is. Sagebrush, mountains, river, I mean, it is gorgeous country. And we went the second week of November. Now, some of you are already making the connection. You're thinking Montana, November, cold, and you went camping, and we did. It was the only time of year that all of us could get together and go. So we went to this place and had one of those kind of life-changing experiences. There's things that I learned on that trip about myself, about my capacity, about how much pain I was willing to endure, how much food I could actually survive on, uh, how many mountains I could climb in a day, but an amazing, amazing adventure. And you and I have had those kind of life-changing experiences before. If you're a parent, you know that the moment that your child is born, that moment changes everything for a parent. For some of you, it's graduating high school, and finally you get a chance to get on with what it is you want to do in life. For some of you, it's graduating college and starting a career. But there are moments where all of us go, what, what happened right there changed something for us. We're different because we got that experience. And I want to look with us today at a passage of Scripture that chronicles an account of some folks that had an experience with Jesus, and they were completely changed for the rest of their lives. So grab your copy of God's Word. We've been in a series called Journey to Jesus. And so over the days leading up to Christmas, Pastor Dave and Pastor Jeremy have taken us through this idea of what a journey to Jesus looks like. We talked about this journey to Jesus leads us to the fact that he is the hope of the world. We talked about the idea that this journey to Jesus actually allows us to experience joy like we never have before. We talked about the idea that this journey to Jesus actually introduces us to the love of a father, which is unlike anything we've ever experienced before. So what I want to do in this passage of Scripture today is I want to take the next logical step, which is once we have connected to the person of Jesus 
and we understand who he is and why he came, what does it look like for us to journey through life with Jesus in the moments of our day? So grab your copy of God's Word, turn to Luke chapter 2, and I want us to look together, beginning to read in verse 8. So let me set up for you kind of what's going on here. In Luke chapter 2, the story begins with an account of the birth of Jesus. Now, Jesus was born in a town called Bethlehem. And the word Bethlehem literally means the place of bread. Which is kind of encouraging for us because Jesus calls himself the bread of life. And he was born in the place of bread. Bethlehem is also known as the town of David. It's where King David was born and raised up. So this is the area where Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, had taken him. And he is born in this town of Bethlehem where we're going to pick up is right after the birth of Jesus. So verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And many of you probably have this picture in your mind. Maybe it was a postcard that was mailed to you this Christmas. Maybe it's a picture that you've seen. But we've all seen these pictures around what that would have looked like. Wild, wild country back then, out around Bethlehem. The shepherds lived out with the sheep in the fields. So where we pick up the shepherds, it's nighttime. They're getting ready to go to sleep. And then this happens happens verse 9 an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified now I want you to imagine for just a moment that you're one of those shepherds okay so your life is about taking care of sheep out in the field now not scripture but Jewish historians will tell us that those shepherds were probably the shepherds that took care of the sheep that were used in the sacrifice at Passover. So these shepherds had a very distinct job. They were to care for the sheep that were ultimately going to be used in the sacrifice at Passover. And we know from the Old Testament that those lambs were to be a year old and that they were to have no blemish. So there's parts of this story that Jewish historians recount to us that helps us to get a little bit better picture of understanding what's going on. So these shepherds are in the field. They're caring for this flock. They're getting ready to go to sleep at nighttime. And I want you to imagine you're a shepherd. You've been through a hard day. You're taking care of the sheep. I imagine sometimes sheep being kind of dumb animals. They're not the smartest in the bunch. It's kind of a hard job to take care of them. They get hurt. They wander off. They don't know when to move for water or food. So the shepherd is constantly moving the sheep. So he settles down for the night. The fire starts to burn down kind of low. His favorite guard dog snuggles in next to him. Maybe he reaches under his blanket, pulls out that final rock like, oh, good, I slept on that all last night. And he settles down and into that moment of peace, boom, the angel shows up. And the angel says to them, hey, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The Christ, the Messiah, is born today. And then right after that, we're going to pick up and read. Look at verse 11. He says, today in the town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, what you need to know, a little background of this story, is that the shepherds in that area, when a lamb was born to protect it, 
they would wrap it in cloth and they would lay that lamb in the manger. And then the priest would come and check over that lamb and make sure it didn't have any blemishes so that it could be used in the sacrifice. So three times in this passage, Luke points out that the baby would be found wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And then the scripture goes on, verse 13, and says, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared to the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, I imagine that those shepherds were shocked by what they saw. The scripture said that they were terrified of the angel, and that's why he spoke peace. But what's important to understand, too, is that for 400 years, God had not spoken to his people. And in that moment, the angel announces to the shepherd what the entire Jewish nation had been waiting on, which is Messiah is born. See, as a Jew, you would have been taught from early on in life that the Messiah was one day going to be sent by God, that he would save your nation. And so you would probably have had conversations with your buddies about, man, I'm praying Messiah comes and gets rid of these Romans. I hate these Romans because at the time, the Romans were persecuting the Jews and they were ruling over them. So the Jews had in mind that Messiah was going to be born, free them of Roman rule, and then God would establish his kingdom on earth. Well, can you imagine being one of those shepherds in that moment when the angel says, hey, everything you've waited for your entire life has just happened. Messiah has been born. Now, the shepherds are faced with a choice. What, what are we going to do, right? Imagine you woke up probably from a dead sleep. All of a sudden, you're seeing the angels. This is said to you. The choir comes on. They praise God, and then they're gone, and you're probably left looking at each other going, well, uh, what, what just happened right here? Well, the scripture goes on, and if you look in verse 15, it says that the shepherds actually had a response. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord's told us about. Now, here's the parallel, church, that I want you and I to catch today. If you've got your notes, and if you jump on the app, you can find the notes or the website. But download the, the notes and follow along. Here's the first thing I want you to catch in the notes. You and I are a lot like those shepherds. We've been exposed to the truth of the gospel. We've talked the last three weeks in here and multiple weeks before that about who Jesus is and why he came and his sacrifice on the cross for us to bring us into a relationship with Holy God. So exactly like these shepherds, you and I are in that same place where we know about Jesus. And the question that I want to ask you as we start to talk about what does it look like for you and I to do life with him is this question. Have I responded to Jesus? See, when the angels came and talked to the shepherds, the shepherds literally could have stayed in the field and said, wow, that was amazing. I'm so glad that we got to see that and never responded to Jesus. And you and I, church, we can come here in this place. We can watch online. We can hear about Jesus and never respond to the message of the gospel. So the question when you're taking notes is, have I responded to Jesus? Because before you and I can actually do life with Jesus, journey with Jesus in the day-to-day -day moments of our life, the scripture says that you and I actually have to respond to the message of the gospel. See, Jesus did not come to be observed by us. He came to rescue us from our sin. 
And just like the, the shepherds had the opportunity to either go, wow, that was amazing, and stay with the sheep, you and I have the opportunity to hear about Jesus, to recognize him, and to acknowledge, yes, he actually came, but never do anything about that. So before we start this journey with Jesus in our day-to-day life, the first question and the most critical question that you and I have to ask is, have I responded to Jesus? Have I recognized that I'm a sinner? We use the word broken often, but the Bible uses the word sin. Have I recognized that I'm a sinner? Have I acknowledged my need for Jesus? And have I asked him to be my savior? That's where the scripture says life with Jesus starts. So in this holiday season, please don't just observe. Please take this opportunity to respond to the gospel. If you're watching and you've never responded to the gospel, you've heard about Jesus, but you've never begun that relationship, Scripture says it's, it's, it's a very simple process. It's life-changing, but it's very simple. It starts with you and I recognizing our sin and acknowledging that to God. God, I can't, I can't fix myself. I need you then asking him to forgive us of our sins, of our brokenness, of our separation from God. Jesus, will you forgive me for my sin? And finally, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? If that's you online watching right now, I want to encourage you. It literally, that's what it looks like to begin that relationship. And the first question before we go anywhere else is, have I responded to Jesus? So let's go back to the scripture because there's several other questions that I want us to look at in what it looks like to do life with Jesus out of this passage. So here's what happens. Verse 16, the shepherds decide we're going to go into Bethlehem and we're going to see what this thing is. Verse 16, so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about that child. And catch this verse 18. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, the shepherds are actually the first evangelists that we read about in the scripture. They're the ones that told people about Jesus and and why he actually came. They're the first Billy Grahams of Bethlehem. Right? Billy Graham was a well-known evangelist in our culture and our time. That's what they were doing. They were literally talking to everybody that they could find about Jesus. Now, the shepherds were not educated guys. These are not guys who would have had the opportunity to study the Old Testament and have all the answers to all the questions about who Messiah was and why he came and what he was supposed to do. They literally were blue-collar workers uh, just like you and I, regular people. And yet, when they had an encounter with Jesus, they were so radically changed that they couldn't stop telling anybody that would listen, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what the angels told us. Let me tell you what we saw in that moment. See, the amazing thing about the Scripture church is that telling people about Jesus is actually supposed to be a regular part of our faith. So here's your second question that I want you to think about as you look towards 2022 and you go, what does it look like for me to journey with Jesus? Question one, right? Have I responded to Jesus? Have I responded to the gospel? Question number two is how do I share Jesus? One of the things that Pastor Dave and Pastor Jeremy have been asking us about in this November and December period is, will we pick three people that God lays on our hearts and will we commit to pray for those people and pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with them? 
Part of being a follower of Jesus and doing life with Jesus is that you and I share what God's done in our life and how we're different. We communicate that with other people. Before Jesus went up into heaven, he actually left this commission with his disciples and ultimately with us that comes out of Matthew chapter 28. And it says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. And so here's what he commissioned his disciples and ultimately us. He said, go make disciples. In other words, go help people to understand what it looks like to follow me exactly like you group of people have followed me for the last three, three and a half years. So he says, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which is why we do that when we do baptism, because that's what the scripture teaches. And then he says, remind them to obey all the things that I've taught you. So a natural part, church, of us following Jesus and doing life with Jesus is our willingness to share with anybody and everybody who would listen. Can I tell you about Jesus? Now, oftentimes what causes uh, us to go, ah, I don't know if I'm ready to do that, Pastor Brett, is that, that we get nervous. Well, what if somebody asks me a question that I don't know? That's awesome. You go, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> well, Pastor Brett, I don't know all the Bible verses or I don't know all the things that I'm supposed to say. Do what the shepherds did. See, the shepherds said, hey, the angels told us this. We showed up in Bethlehem and we saw this and we believe that's the fulfillment of God's promise. See, sharing Jesus' church in the day-to-day -day moments of our life doesn't mean that we have to open our Bible every time and take people through the Gospel of John or uh, something called the Roman Road, which is passages of Scripture about how to begin a faith relationship with Jesus. What it simply means is we talk to people about Jesus and what he means to us. It can be as simple as you're having a conversation in your office with somebody and that person is struggling and you go, hey, would it be okay if I pray for you? I'm a Christian and I believe that God can do something in your life. That's sharing faith. Sharing faith can look as simple as somebody coming and going, hey, um, I, I'm having this struggle in my life and I don't know what to do and it's tearing apart my family and my relationships and wh what do you think I ought to do? And the answer back is, well, um, I think that the scripture speaks into it this way. What do, you, what do you mean the scripture? Well, as a follower of Christ, my, my life is based on the word of God. It's based on following what God commanded. And here's how I think the scripture speaks into this situation and speaks some wisdom into that moment. And you can speak that to somebody. You can also share with someone who maybe asks you, hey, I've watched you and you don't seem to get thrown by the craziness that is life. Where does that come from? Where does that peace that you seem to have come from? And you can sit there and you can go, hey, let me tell you, it, it comes from an understanding of who God is and the fact that God is watching over me and protecting me and guarding and guiding my life. It comes from my relationship of faith. See, sharing Jesus, church, is not about having all the answers to anybody's question and not about taking years and years of preparation. It's simply doing what the shepherds did in that moment and going, uh, here's what we were told, here's what we saw, and here's what we believe. One of the things that I've started to do over the last several years is I've started to be more intentional about asking the Lord, God, will you give me opportunities to talk about you and to share my faith? And recently I was having a test at the doctor's office. 
was a long test. Uh, as traditionally, we wait a long time in the doctor's office. Uh, this this was actually a long test. So I was sitting with the nurse for about an hour doing this test, and we started to have a conversation. And so we started talking about what was going on in the world and the struggles. And I had mentioned to her, hey, you know what? I really appreciate. I know you guys in the medical field have had a really tough year. And so that led into this really interesting conversation about faith. And for about 35 or 40 minutes, I got to share with her my foundation for faith, which is Jesus. And I got to share with her that place of peace that comes from knowing what it looks like to live in a relationship. So here's my challenge, church. What if in 2022 we live differently? What if we took seriously the commission of Jesus to share our faith? And we said, you know what, Lord, we're going to pray in 2022. Will you give us one, one opportunity in this next year to share Jesus with somebody? Imagine what that would look like, church, if all of us did that. Imagine how that would change our community if each one of us got an opportunity to lead somebody to faith in Christ. It's not, the responsibility is not us, anything other than simply sharing. But imagine if God gave us that kind of a spiritual harvest. See, sharing faith is part of doing a journey with Jesus in the moments of life. Now, let's keep going. Jump back into your copy of God's Word, and let's keep reading here. Verse, uh, verse, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, what's interesting here is Luke almost takes this left turn. So verse 8 to 20 is this story about shepherds and their interaction. And then sandwiched kind of in the middle of this is this moment about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we go, well, why, why did you take this, this left turn? Well, here's what I want you to catch. I want you to circle two words in that verse. The scripture says, Mary treasured up these things in her heart and pondered them. So circle the word treasured and circle the word pondered. The word treasures means she recognized the value of what she had been told. And if you look back in the scripture, you know that an angel came and spoke to Mary about the fact that she was chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus. An angel then came to Joseph and talked to him about the fact that the baby that was conceived inside of Mary was from the Holy Spirit. Mary then went and visited her cousin Elizabeth, and the scripture tells us that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy, and then Elizabeth pronounced this blessing over Mary, talking about the fact that she was going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. And now the shepherds have had this interaction with, Jesus, with the angels about Jesus. And they've come and said, here's what we just saw and heard. And the scripture says that Mary treasured up all these things. She saw the value of them and she kept them close to her heart. The idea of pondering them, what that word means, is that we think about them, we reflect on them, and we ask ourselves a question, what difference should that make in our lives? Here's the third thing that I want you to write down in your notes, church, and it's this question, is knowing Jesus changing me? Is knowing Jesus changing me? Because part of what Mary did in that moment in pondering those truths is she's reflecting on them and asking herself the question, based on the fact of who my son is as the Savior of the world and what's happened, what needs to change in me? That's part of that idea of the word pondering. 
The scripture says, Psalm chapter 1, you and I are blessed are those people who follow Christ because they're like a tree planted by streams of water that brings forth its fruit in season. How do we do that? We get to know what is written in the scripture. We get to know what is written about God and we begin to adjust our lives so they reflect the things that matter to Jesus. See, what culture wants you and I to do is culture wants to say you can become the best version of yourself. If you'll read all the right books, talk to the right therapists, listen to the right people, do all these things, work extra hard, you can ultimately become the best, the best possible example of yourself. And what Jesus says is that's, that's not what life is about. It's not about being our best possible selves. It's actually about becoming the people that God called and created us to be. It's actually not about becoming more like us. It's about becoming more like Jesus. So that question, is knowing Jesus changing me? That question is driving at this idea that when you and I come face to face with the truth of God's word, exactly like Mary did, is it creating change inside of us? We talk all the time in here about the fact that our Sunday morning worship is a part of our spiritual development, but it's not the end of our spiritual development. It's important for you and I to regularly dig into the scriptures and go, God, what does it look like to live the kind of life you're you're calling me to live. The only way we know that is we get to know the truth in the heart of God through a scripture. So as we begin to dig into the scripture and as we allow scripture to wash over our heart and we look at culture through the lens of scripture, we begin to realize it's not about being the best version of myself. It's about becoming less of me and more of Jesus. And that's the call of God on my life. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about this idea that our minds are supposed to be transformed as we study and focus in on the scripture. And please know, this is not about me working hard and God observing me working hard. It's actually about the Holy Spirit working in partnership to bring about the change that God wants to bring about in your life and my life. So again, the question is knowing Jesus changing me. I want you to think back, church, over this last year. Okay, so get, get kind of a picture in your mind. I want you to think back over this last year, and I want you to ask yourself a question that a good friend of mine asked me on a regular basis. Is there a growing pattern of becoming more like Jesus in your life? So as you think back over this last year and you reflect on the impact of the gospel and the impact of the truth of God's word in your life, the question is, is there a growing pattern in your life of becoming more like Jesus? Here's what I mean. Is there less anger and more peace? Is there less sarcasm and more encouragement? Is there less hate and more love? Is there less judgment and more grace? See, the pattern of Scripture that we're supposed to be following is that it's supposed to become less about us and more about a life that reflects the things that matter to Jesus. So literally, are you and I being transformed by the gospel? Because doing life with Jesus is not about staying stagnant. It's about letting the powerful truth of a God who gave a son as a sacrifice for us and calls us to a life of faith and obedience and surrender and sacrifice. It's about you and I willingly following that and allowing God to do in us what he needs to do so our lives look more like Jesus. So again, that third question is knowing Jesus changing me.
There's a great resource that's in your notes, and I want you to see it. It's a web link to the C.S. Lewis Institute, and it's kind of a spiritual, it's an online spiritual assessment that you can look at, and you can ask yourself some hard questions as you go into 2022. God, are Am I allowing you to change and adjust me like I need to allow you to change and adjust me? Or are there stuck points in my life? I want to encourage you, church, download that. Take a few minutes, work through it. Make it a regular part of your spiritual pattern. It's what God calls us to, a life adjusted and surrendered to the call of Christ. Now, I want to take us back because there's a last question that I want us to look at, and it's found in verse 20. So Luke returns to the shepherds again, and he makes this statement. He says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, there are very few of us, church, who when we run headlong into the gospel and we recognize why Jesus came, we commit our lives to him, there's very few of us who are ultimately going to end up in a life full-time ministry like, like me or Pastor Dave, for example. Most of us are going to engage with Jesus, we're going to have our life transformed, and then we're going to continue to do the things that God's created and called us to do. Um, my parents, both of them, have had secular jobs for almost their entire lives, and they're called to it, and they're gifted for it, and it's an amazing opportunity. So the shepherds had an encounter with Jesus, an experience with Jesus that radically changed their life, and then they went right back to being shepherds again. But they didn't go back the same. They went back different. Because of what they had experienced, there was a different way that they responded. Now, the scripture said they went back celebrating and glorifying God for what they had seen and experienced. See, when you and I have a personal encounter with Jesus Church, we begin that relationship with him, our lives shift. We begin to see things through a different lens. We begin to look at the blessings of God in our lives rather than the lucky breaks. We begin to see God working in the moments of relationships and life and ministry and family and all those things and God working things out. We begin to recognize God's work, which is what the shepherds did here. So here's the fourth question. How can I celebrate Jesus today? Because part of doing life with Jesus, part of this journey of doing life with Jesus is recognizing God's work throughout the moments of our day and celebrating and giving thanks for those moments. When God brings peace within your family as you've been working through an issue, that's something to celebrate. God, thank you for working in my husband's heart, my wife's heart, my kid's heart. I want to celebrate the work that you've just done there. When God provides a job or provides the resources to pay a bill, take a moment, hey God, I want to celebrate what you've done. Thank you for providing for my family, right? When somebody gets healed from something, maybe even praying for somebody, somebody who's sick with COVID, and you go, you know what, Lord, I want to celebrate what you've done because you brought health back to that person that I care for. Part of doing life with Jesus, church, is paying attention to what is going on around us and recognizing and celebrating the powerful work of God in those moments. The shepherds went back to being shepherds. But they went back to being shepherds differently. They began to see and celebrate the work of God in those everyday moments of their lives. And my prayer for us as a church is in this next season, what we begin to do is we're not only hearers of the gospel, but we respond to the gospel. We start out, you and I, in a place of responding in faith to the gospel. 
we get opportunities and we're courageous enough to step forward and share with people around us this amazing message of faith and redemption that's only found in Jesus Christ. We let the truth of God's word as it washes over us and we have these spiritual patterns where we go back constantly to the word of God and we go, God, change what is broken in me. My prayer, church, as we go into 2022 is that we continually see these patterns shift in our lives so it's less us and more Jesus. And my prayer for us is that we begin to celebrate and see the moments of God working powerfully in our lives. You know how encouraging that is to our faith when we look backwards and we go, hey, you remember when God did this? Yeah. Remember when God did that? Remember when God stepped in when we thought nothing could happen and he did this for us and we thought there was no way? Remember when God did that? That encourages and challenges our faith with each other as we share those stories. You know, when, uh, when I went to Montana in November, it was... Uh, it was an amazing seven days. And um, part of what was amazing was how physically demanding that experience was. Uh, we ate maybe six, 800 calories a day. We would climb six, eight miles up into the mountains and hunt. We would row down. We had 60 miles of river that we covered over seven days. We were sleeping in tents. It would get down to 10, 12, 14 degrees at night, ice on the inside of the tent. It was one of those kind of experiences that really pushes you to your limit. And I remember when we came back to Idaho, we kind of made several points along the way. When we came back to Idaho, we're sitting around the table, and one of my buddy's wives asked me a question. She said, what, what was the best part? What was the best part of that trip? Because we were just, I mean, we were talking constantly. It was an amazing trip. She goes, what was the best part? And I thought for a second, I said, you know, honestly, the best part was the adventure. She goes, would you do it again? I said, absolutely, I'd go right now. Here's what I want you to hear, church. This journey of faith that you and I are invited to take on with Jesus, the day-to-day -day moments of our lives living out our faith, it's an amazing adventure. It's an amazing adventure of faith that you and I get invited into. And my prayer is that you and I step into that adventure and we allow God to do in this coming year some incredible, amazing things in our lives. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for uh, the opportunity to dig into your truth and your word. Thank you for the challenge that we have as we look ahead to this year. God, I pray for us as a church that we engage those things that are close to your heart. Pray for wisdom. I pray for courage. I pray for faith. I pray for the opportunity to share your truth with many people and that we would see many, many lives changed in this coming year. God, thank you for being faithful to us in a tough year. Thank you for your grace and your hope that you speak into our lives. And I pray that you would challenge us in these next steps of faith. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us, church, this weekend. Be blessed and be a blessing.